Father, as we walk through this text this morning, would you be our guide by your Holy Spirit? Help us to hear what you want to say to us this morning. Help us to live in a way that honors you and that shows that we are followers of Jesus. Help us to grow in our understanding of you. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was preparing my message for today, uh, in the study this week, I was working on two different outlines, and sometimes that happens. You uh, think of two different ways that you could approach a text, and you're trying to think, okay, what would be best? Lord, what do you want me to say? And I'm kind of debating this and going back and forth, and Jason knows what that's like, or any pastor knows what this is like. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you, the, the first outline that I was working on focused on Christ's greatness. His greatness. The disciples have just been with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, John, and James, and they saw his greatness above when his glory was revealed in them, and he was transfigured before them. And now they come down from the mountain, and there is this dramatic healing that takes place, and they see his greatness below. And they see him work among the people, and the people marvel at the greatness of God. And so there's this theme of greatness that runs through, and then in verses 46 to 50, he talks about what true greatness really is as he brings this little child before them as an example. And that, that's a good outline. But this morning, I felt led to go with this outline that focuses on our need to listen. And I was thinking about how when the disciples were on the mountain and they are there and Peter suggests that they build three booths for the disciples, I mean for uh, Moses and Elijah and Jesus, you know, so they can kind of stay there. The voice of God says to them, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Listen to him. And then later in this text, Jesus will pull the disciples aside and he'll say, listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. And I think that this word, this passage, really emphasizes the importance of listening to Jesus. You know, this, this is something that we're not always very good doing either, and that's one of the reasons why I chose to go this way. Sometimes we're too busy. Sometimes we just don't take the time to listen to Jesus. We rush our quiet time or we skip our quiet time altogether. Or we have other things that we need to get into in the day and we just kind of maybe say a quick prayer and then boom, we're into our activities for the day. And there are times also when we maybe don't want to hear what Jesus has to say to us because we know what he is asking us to do and we don't really want to do it. We don't want to obey, so we don't want to hear, so we don't feel like the Holy Spirit is continuing to provoke us and prod us. But Jesus' words are life. They are truth. They are the very words that we need to hear, and so it is so important that we listen to Jesus. Many years ago, Michael Card wrote a song um, that was titled, Will You Not Listen? And it was part of his ancient faith series on the Old Testament. He had 
three kind of a trilogy that he did going through every book of the Old Testament. And this one came out of the book of Isaiah. And it looked at how the people of Israel for so long had ignored God's prophets and refused to listen to him. And Michael Card wrote this song that I think is very, very good. And I'm hoping it works in our uh, technology this morning. But I would like you to listen to it. Would you cue it up and play it? And hopefully this comes through. Is not he who formed the ear Worth the time it takes to hear? Should he who formed our lips for speaking Be not he dead when he speaks? Will you not listen? Why won't you listen? God has spoken love to us. Why will you not listen? Listen to the sacred silence. Listen to the holy word. Listen as he speaks through living parables that must be heard. Parables that must be heard. Will you not listen? Why won't you listen? God has spoken peace to us. Why will you not listen? Why will you not listen? He spoke a word of flesh and blood, flesh and blood that bled and died, bled and died just to be heard. How could you not hear this word? Why will you not hear this word? Will you spoken hope to us. How could you not listen? Why will you not listen? How could you not listen? This morning we're going to look at three areas where God calls us to listen. Number one, We need to listen and learn about his power and our weakness. In verses 37 and following, it says that the next day, Jesus came down from the mountain, and immediately they are confronted by the crowds and by an evil spirit. You can go to point number one in the outline there. A man called out to Jesus, and he said, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only son. 
And the word that is used there means to look with mercy. Here was this dad who was coming and he was desperate. This father was desperate because his son was possessed by an evil spirit and it was destroying his life. And from the description that we see here and from the details that are given in the other Gospels, we see how awful his condition was. When the evil spirit seized him, the son would scream. His body would be thrown into convulsions. Many times this demon had thrown him into the water or into the fire. The boy would foam at the mouth. He would spit. He would grind his teeth. This demon had made the boy deaf and dumb. His condition was heartbreaking. And this father came to the disciples, to the nine who had not gone up on the mountain with Jesus. And he begged them to heal his son, but they were unable to do that. These disciples were unable to do what Jesus had previously given them the power to do. In chapter 9, verse 1, He had sent them out with this power and authority to drive out demons and to heal the sick. And now, for some reason, they were not able to help this boy. Why was that? Well, when we look at the other Gospels, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 19, the disciples actually asked Jesus, why could we not drive it out? They were puzzled as well. And Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. And in Mark's Gospel, when they asked that question, Jesus said, this kind can come out only by prayer. And what we see in these Gospels that are looking at this same account as these men who remembered different things that Jesus said and how it stuck out to them. And what we see here in Luke is Jesus disappointment oh unbelieving and perverse generation how long shall i stay with you and put up with you do you feel the weight of that do you feel the burden that is on jesus heart when he thinks of this sinful fallen world and he thinks of these demons who afflict a child and he thinks about the impotence of the disciples here who did not listen and take to heart what he had said, and now we're unable to do what he had given them the power and authority to do. And Jesus said, bring the child here. And he rebuked the evil spirit, and he healed the boy physically and spiritually, and he restored him to his father. The crowd was amazed at the greatness of God. The people looked at this miracle once again and they were stunned by it that word greatness can actually be translated as majesty they saw the majesty of God displayed before them in a different way than the disciples had seen it on the mount of transfiguration when they saw his glory shine through but they knew that this was God and they gave him praise and glory for what was happening. The disciples were about to learn a very valuable lesson about ministry. 
that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Pastor Ron Dunn made a statement many, many years ago when I was just starting out in ministry that has stuck with me. He said, sometimes the greatest barrier to being usable is the very fact that God has used you. And sometimes you can get to that point where, you know, where God used you to minister to someone else or to be a blessing in someone else's life, you know, and you can start to think, hey, I got this down. I know how to teach a class. I know how to take care of kids or I know how to make a business deal or I know how to treat a patient or I know how to write a sermon, you know. I've, I've done this a number of years. I've got this down. And what we don't say in our mind audibly, we don't say out loud, God, I don't need you today. I can handle this. But where it shows up is in our lack of prayer. Where it shows up is in our lack of prayer. You see, we pray when we are desperate. We pray when we see our need for God. We pray when we need His power to do what only He can do, but there are times when maybe subtly we kind of operate in those other areas where we feel a degree of confidence and we think, I can handle this. I can take care of this today. But the truth is, and what the disciples needed to learn, is that we need Him every day. And we need Him every moment of every day. I think it's kind of interesting that today, out of all days, our technology doesn't work when I'm talking about a message like this, how much we need Him. And we do. And sometimes He allows things to go awry just to show us that. Don't ever take for granted His presence or His power. The habit of our life should be to begin every day acknowledging our weakness in His power. And to say, Lord, I need you today. Would you fill me with your spirit? Would you work through me today? Would you open my eyes to see the needs of the people around me? And if I can be a blessing, Lord, help me to be a blessing today. To say what you want to say or to reach out or come alongside to help or serve. The disciples were learning just how much they needed Jesus. Because we are weak and He is strong. And secondly, we also need to listen and to learn about His suffering and our own ignorance. In verses 43 to 45, here the crowds had been you know, amazed and they're marveling and they're talking about Jesus and all that He said. And what does Jesus do? He pulls aside the disciples and He says, listen, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. Remember, on the Mount of Transfiguration, he had just told Peter, John, and James what was going to happen, that he was going to go to Jerusalem. He would be killed. The Son of Man was going to be killed, but on the third day he would rise again. And this is the second prediction of his suffering that is going to come in Jerusalem and he is telling them the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. The crowds may be amazed today, but they will turn. 
And to Peter, John, James, and the others, he's saying, don't be surprised by my suffering. It is all part of God's perfect plan. He wanted them to know that ahead of time. He did not want them to be alarmed by what was going to happen. He foretold his suffering. But the disciples didn't understand what this meant, and they were afraid to ask him. And among themselves, they were probably thinking and saying, how could Jesus be betrayed? By whom? And why? Why would they want to do that? Is this, is this something the Pharisees are up to? Why? This can't be happening to the Messiah. It just didn't make sense to them. And you know, sometimes things in our life don't make sense either. And sometimes we don't understand God's plan. And we may wonder, God, why are you taking me down this road? Or why did you allow this to happen in my life? Or why am I going through this trial, this suffering, this grief, this loss, whatever it may be? Or maybe you're, you're trying to find your way and there's a decision that you're making and you're at this fork in the road and you're wondering which way you should go and, and, and you're not hearing God clearly at the moment. God comes to us and he says, trust me, trust me. And we hear those words of Scripture like Romans 8.28 that says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. Not just in some things, but in all things. For those who have been called according to His purpose. A little later in Romans 8.31 and 32, He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things, graciously give us all things? Jesus' death on the cross was not a tragic accident. It was for our gain. And if God could take the very worst that Satan could do, if God could take the very worst that the world could do and bring about the greatest victory and blessing out of it, how will he not also do that in our life? We walk by faith and not by sight. And we need to trust him even when we don't have all the answers. And thirdly, we need to listen and learn about his greatness and our pride. Our pride that gets in the way. In verses 46 to 50, we see Jesus' prediction of his passion. And it shows us that his mission is about more than just healing people in this life. Jesus didn't come just to heal some people at a moment in time in Israel for a certain generation and that was it. No, his mission was about healing for all time. He came to destroy the works of sin and of Satan and of death. He came to remove sin from our world and to make all things new. He came to restore that original plan of God that we would live in fellowship with Him, perfect fellowship, where He would be our God and we would be His people. But the disciples, they don't get it. 
they are still thinking about greatness from a worldly point of view. And an argument begins among them about which of them is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Now, isn't this a little incongruous? Here you have Jesus predicting his suffering. Basically, he's saying, guys, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and die. And these guys are saying, you know, I wonder who's going to be greatest when Jesus becomes king. And they're looking at it from that worldly point of view. You know, I'm glad that the disciples who wrote the Gospels didn't clean everything up, you know, and, and leave out some of these stories that make them look kind of bad because we need to hear, we need to see because there are some times when we say and do stupid things too. And clearly they didn't understand Jesus' suffering nor his view of greatness. So how did Jesus instruct them? Jesus took a little child And he had him stand next to him. And he said to the disciples that whoever welcomes this little child welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For he who is least among you all, he is the greatest. Jesus took a child, the smallest and most powerless individual in Hebrew culture. And he said, when you welcome this child, you welcome me. It's interesting that in the Jewish Talmud, the commentary on the Jewish scriptures at that time in the Old Testament, that Talmud regarded spending time with children as a waste of time. There's a quote there. Keeping company with children adds nothing to a man. You know, translation of that, they were saying that real men don't spend time with children. What a lie. What a lie. And apparently the disciples believed that to some extent too because you remember the story when the parents were bringing their children to Jesus and the disciples wanted to send them away like Jesus doesn't have time for children. Jesus doesn't have time to to do this. And Jesus was indignant and he rebuked them and he said, let the little children come to me for such is the kingdom of God. You know, I was thinking about that all this week as we were having the J316 soccer camp and basketball camp going on here. And I'm looking out on the field in the back and I'm seeing, you know, a hundred kids there. And I'm thinking about Jesus and how he welcomed them and how when you are involved in a ministry like that, as a coach, a parent who comes alongside of kids, the teenagers, the students who work this week as coaches, when you loved those kids, you were loving Jesus. And you were representing Him this week in what you were doing. And Jesus smiles on that. He loves children. He loves it when you are greeting them, when you are there to point them and teach them about Jesus and share these stories from Scripture. 
And God smiled this week, and his favor was there when 20 kids prayed to receive Christ as their Savior and Lord. And I want to thank, you know, Butch, Luke, Chad, Tom, Rob, all of the um, teenagers who came in, gave your time this week, Kelly and her children's ministry who was so uh, behind the scenes working on so many things, and the other moms who came in and helped with registration and the meals. God used you this week to make a difference in the life of children. You see, Jesus was teaching the disciples two very important lessons about ministry. Number one, everyone has value to God. Everyone. From the least of these to those who the world might think are more important. But God cares about the least of these in our world. He cares about children. He cares about the elderly. He cares about the immigrant. He cares about the disabled. He cares about the homeless. He cares about widows and orphans. And when you welcome them, you welcome me. And secondly, everyone can minister. And I'm talking about everyone who knows Jesus. The disciples saw a man driving out demons in Jesus' name, but he wasn't part of their group. And they wanted to stop him. I mean, I don't know if they were thinking they were going to protect the brand or they are going to protect Jesus' reputation here. But somehow this man had heard and become a follower of Jesus, but he wasn't one of that inner circle of the disciples. And Jesus told them not to stop him. Because whoever is not against you is for you. What was happening was that the disciples were letting pride, their own pride, get in the way of ministry. And you can think about it on three levels. On one, it was their pride that caused them to argue about which of them would be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus said, you want to be great? Then be the servant of all. They didn't think that they had time for children. You know, we're too busy. We're too important. We've got bigger things to do. And Jesus said, you want to do real ministry? Then love those kids. And they're thinking, you know, we've got to protect this. You know, we can't allow others to do ministry. Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Casting out demons in Jesus' name. And they want to stop him. And Jesus is saying, you guys don't have a corner on the market on ministry. God can use anyone who loves me and who wants to serve. Jesus' attitude is more like Moses in the Old Testament who said to Joshua when Joshua saw two of the elders prophesying in the camp when God had placed his spirit on the elders. And he wanted to stop them. And he went to Moses and he said, Moses, what should I do? And Moses said, are you zealous for my sake? Are you jealous for me? He said, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put His Spirit on them. God can use anyone who has a heart for ministry and who wants to serve Him. Listen to Jesus. Spend time with Jesus in His Word and prayer. Draw upon His power at all times, because we are weak and He is strong. Consider His suffering. And trust Him when life is hard and you don't understand the way 
and you don't know why this is happening, and it's tough. And I understand that. I get that. Trust Him. Trust Him that He is a God who causes all things to work together for good. And thirdly, follow His example. True greatness is not measured by status or possessions. True greatness is found in serving God and serving others. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word that you have given to us that is so necessary. It's so much what we need to hear. Lord, keep us humble. Keep us teachable. Keep us usable for you. And would you, by your power and by your spirit, be pleased to continue to work through us and through our church to help people come into a relationship with you as Savior and Lord. To send out laborers into the harvest, to see you at work, and to do all that we can in this community to be a savoring influence for Christ. That's our heart. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Would you please stand for a benediction as we close today? And now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loves us and by his grace has given us eternal encouragement and good hope. May he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen.